Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of micro churches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. Hello, everybody. So good to be with you again. Now, we have been looking at living a called out life. Today, I've got something super exciting to share with you. And I'm I'm so fired up to talk to you about one of Jesus's very first parables. Matthew chapter seven, you're gonna get a lot more out of this if you just grab your Bible. That's only four verses long. Even people who don't know much about the Bible, they know about the parables of Jesus because they're some of the best known stories in the world. Basically, Jesus told these incredibly interesting stories about everyday life that just caught the attention of so many people. While the process always started with a familiar everyday life, it's intended to lead to a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God. Now, in that regard, a parable is just an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Here's a fun fact. We have 55 of Jesus' parables recorded, and all of them are in the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and Mark. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. All right, there is so much in this parable. We're talking about building a house, the foundation that you choose, storms. But here's the bottom line. Everybody gets to choose how they will live, and everybody will go through storms. The storms just reveal how well the house was built. Did you take shortcuts? You're trying to save some money? Well, in this parable, Jesus is literally telling them how to build a life that lasts. Basically, he tells them, if you want to survive the storms, just do what I tell you. Follow my instructions. (laughs) Obey me. Are you good at following instructions? Just asking for a friend. Jesus calls it wise. He's not asking us to turn off our brains. He's asking us to turn them on. This is not a, well, whatever the boss tells me to do, I'll do, even when I know it's wrong. No, this is whatever the boss tells me to do, I'll do it because I want a life that lasts. You see, the question is, where and how do I build a life? Because that's what matters. Why? Because storms. Again, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. See, it's a choice we get to make. Nobody's going to force us to obey God, to put into practice what he teaches. The wise builder puts into practice God's word. When you put something into practice, it just means that you're getting better at it. And maybe at first you weren't great, 
But you keep working at it. Why? Because you trust the coach who happens also, in this case, to be the Lord. Now, James, who is Jesus's brother, wrote about this in James chapter 1, verse 22. He said, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Do you remember that in another lesson we talked about choice? You'll recall that Joshua and Caleb chose to live according to their convictions. And what happened? God rewarded them because they're 40 years later, they got to move into the promised land. Well, here Jesus makes it easy and obvious for us. And I like that because obedience equals a wise man. Disobedience equals a foolish man. And he doesn't give shades of choices. He makes it black or white, white or black, no gray, light or dark, left or right, up or down, clear choice, right? Wise or foolish. Now, I said it before, but when it comes right down to it, there's a moment of decision about whether or not we want to move forward. A moment when we get to choose. And every time we hear God's word, we get to choose whether or not that we want to obey him. Well, what did Jesus teach them? Specifically in the sermon, what sort of things did he teach them? Well, one thing is that there are two types of builders. There's a wise builder and then there's the foolish builder. The foolish builder isn't considered foolish because he isn't smart or doesn't know better. And the wise builder isn't considered wise because he can recite the law of God. Jesus said a person is foolish or wise based on what they do with what they know. The foolish man listens to truth but doesn't apply truth. And sadly, we see this in business all the time. You can show someone a system that works to improve their marketing or client retention or sales. They listen to the advice. In fact, often they'll pay for the advice, but then because of pride or just laziness, they don't put it into practice. Jesus calls that foolish. Now, I love the crowd's reaction to what Jesus taught, and it wasn't because he was teaching easy stuff. It was because they knew he believed and lived what he taught. But it's the two verses right at the end that I absolutely love. Now, Matthew tells us how the crowd responded to this sermon in Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 28. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. What he says is the crowds were blown away. It was his manner of teaching that blew them away. They burst into applause. It was so obvious that he was living everything he was saying, which was quite a contrast to the religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Now, sometimes we think, oh, if I could just get some deep knowledge, that'd be impressive. But what's most impressive is when we're living it, because it's obvious to people. He knew what he was talking about, and he lived it. And he told them, be wise follow my instructions. What had them so jazzed? Now, I've heard that if you want to know who the best player is on a team, you should watch the sidelines because the coaches are always talking to the best players. The highest performers are getting the best coaching. You ask me, why were these people jazzed? They were jazzed because Jesus was teaching them truth, hard truth. This is stuff they needed, and Jesus was making it easy to reach for them. In a way, he was coaching them. But you know that to be coached, you have to want to be coached. Now, what happened is Jesus reframed so many things in this one sermon. And the thing is, he talked about some really hard stuff to talk about. They had misconceptions and he straightened them out. When they heard truth, 
They knew it was true because it made sense. Now, while most of the things Jesus taught were new to them, he taught the way God had always intended these things to be. He was teaching them about matters of the heart and not just the following of external rules. He was telling, talking to them about the battle between the outward appearance and the inner reality. What he taught made it seem like he cared for them because he did. And even though they were blown away by what he taught, he wasn't concerned with being viewed as smart. His teaching wasn't to make himself look good. It was to help them live better. Now, here are some of the pull quotes from his sermon. If you go back to Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. And then verse 21, you've heard it said that people long ago, you should not commit murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I'm telling you, do not hate your brother. You've also heard it said, do not commit adultery in verse 27. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You see, it's challenging. And then in chapter 6, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before others to be seen by them. If you do, you're, you will not, you're not going to have any reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, what do you do? You don't announce it with trumpets. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, verse 5, don't be like the hypocrites. They just like standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by men. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. But when you fast... Put oil on your head and wash your face, verse 18, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And then he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. In verse 21, for your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And then chapter 7, verse 1, do not judge or you too will be judged because in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse 7, asking, it will be given to you. Seeking, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So in everything, he says in verse 12, do to others what you would have them do to you because this sums up the law and the prophets. And finally, he ends up just before the parable saying this in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
You know, when Luke writes about this same story, he said that Jesus asked the penetrating question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I, st- what, what I say? You know, we just had a termite inspection at our house. The service tech did a thorough job. He walked around the house tapping the walls, shining his slightly brighter than the sun flashlight into the corners. He was inspecting. He was paying attention to every indication, all the signs, any warnings of the presence of termites. And when he, was finished, when he finished the inspections, he left a handwritten note on the front door that said, no indication of termites. That's good news. Now, unless you do these inspections, the only way to know that you have termites is when it's too late. I have experience with that. We've had termites before. Jesus said the wise man, the man who will withstand the storm, is the one who hears what he says and does it. Execution is usually the weak point. For those who own companies, isn't the weak link usually not the lack of plans, but a lack of execution? Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is just like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So are you a wise or foolish builder? I ask because storms, storms happen. Well, what are the storms? There are several ways to look at this. One way is that in the end of time, there is the final judgment of God's, the wrath of God against sin and disobedience. And that's important, but here and now we go through trials, temptations, and persecutions. These hardships of life fall on believers and unbelievers alike. You know, believers, we're, we're not promised a shelter, but we are promised that we can have a foundation that will allow us to stand through all kinds of troubles. You know what storms do? They strip away pretense, any bragging or talk, and it gets us to the real question. It's how am I building? What's my foundation? Is it solid or shifting and shaky? And here's the key. Jesus said that storms would expose whether or not we've been building wisely or foolishly. And when the wind blows, we'll all know what kind of foundation our life is built on. When the storm rages, we will know the condition of our foundation. Okay, just as buildings have what's referred to as wind load, I also think people have wind loads. Now, wind load is how much you can stand or withstand when you're under pressure. In other words, can the building withstand winds at 80 miles per hour if it's sustained on end? Is it going to stand? We're presented here with two builders. Now, the implication is that we are either like one builder or we're like the other. How, is, how, how am I going to build? The method I choose, I want to be an obedient builder. Both builders hear Jesus' teachings. Both builders have the exact same information, but one builder is obedient. Now, the two houses in this parable probably look alike, but only the one built on a solid foundation lasted. And the only thing that will matter when a storm hits is what cannot be seen. The house is covering up the foundation. I mean, it can look great, but one has a solid foundation and one has a foundation of sand. The foundation, the secret to building a life that lasts is to build your life on the foundation of obedience to God. It's obedience versus disobedience, lip service versus heart service, appearance versus reality. Building a life that will endure through the storm To live is to build. The wise builder puts into practice God's word. 
A disciple is somebody who hears and does. He's a doer. The foolish builder does not put into practice God's word. He's a listener. He hears and agrees. He might be even a talker, but he talks a good game. But everybody has to decide to either put his teaching into practice when things are good or face the destruction that is the end result of any other choice. One builder hears and practices what Jesus teaches. The other is only a listener. The way I look at life is that I'm entering the fourth quarter and I'm playing to win. What about you? I took a quote from a book from the actor Alan Alda. He wrote about uh, his difficult and actually broken relationship with his mother and he was going through her possessions after her death. And he said about those things that they were, quote, the remnants of a life that was almost live. My friends, life is too sacred of a gift for any of us to just almost live. That's why we're living at the radical center of God's will for our lives. Remember that there is the great commission and the great commandment and the great connection. We read that promise in John 15, 5, when he said, I am the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, you don't have to own a vineyard to know that it makes a lot of sense. If I take a healthy branch and break it away from the vine, it's going to die eventually, every time. Not some of the time, every time. And Jesus said the wise man listens and follows instructions, and what's the payoff? He builds a life that lasts. And when Jesus commissioned us, he told us about the importance of obeying him. You remember Matthew 28, uh, verse 19, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Teach them to obey. Jesus is pointing to more than information. It's about transformation. We're making more and better disciples. And a disciple is anyone that hears and does. A disciple is a doer. A disciple is connected to the vine, the source. When we are connected, we hear clearly what he says, and that flows through us, and it produces fruit. At the end of his very first sermon, Jesus tells this parable. It's just a story that answers the question, how do I build a life that lasts? Everybody seems to have an opinion about that, don't they? But people want truth. People need truth. People don't know who to trust anymore and they, to, to get what is true. And it seems that we're shifting from listening to ministers, to scientists, to politicians, to social media. We've come full circle. But what would Jesus say is the answer to the question, how do, you, how do I build a life that lasts? And he would say, just do what I say. Follow my instructions. If you need to repent, then repent. If you need to be baptized, then be baptized. If you need to forgive, forgive. Whatever you do, follow his directions. Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you, Father, will be glorified in all that we do and that you, Father, through the, through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit, will give us, you will empower us and give us desire to do what we know is right. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.